there has been an ongoing, and in my opinion, I think it's a disturbing trend, um, of people going through people's social media pages, digging in like five, ten years in the past and finding, you know, a tweet or a post or whatever where the person said something derogatory or racist or misogynistic um, or ethnocentric, you know, a decade ago. And while I can understand it, if the character of the individual is consistent with who they are now, right? If the character of the person that tweeted these sort of horrible things is just as shitty um, in the present as they were, you know, 10, 15, five years ago. I can understand wanting to, quote, cancel a person. But a lot of the times, the people who are being, quote, canceled are people who you can see that they have grown, you know, emotionally, they've grown with integrity, they've matured, they've learned a lot, especially even, like, this year. Right? Like, 2020 has been a very eye-opening year so far. We have certainly learning a lot about a lot, not even just 2020. Honestly, the last four years um, have been like a fast track in enlightenment and understanding for, for a lot of us. We're, we're starting to see things as they are, not as they were, as we were programmed to see it. You know, the word apocalypse has been interpreted to mean the end of the world, but if you go back to its roots and to the etymology of the world, it means a revelation. It means to reveal. That's why the last book of the Bible, if you believe in that kind of stuff, um, is called Revelation because it, it speaks to the revelation, the exposure, basically what Christians prophesy should happen at the, quote, end of days. Um, interesting fact, the early Christians didn't believe that the world would end 2,000 years into the future. Um, they actually believed that the world would end shortly after the death and, quote, resurrection of their savior, of their Messiah. Um, and so the end of the world for them was the end of the Roman Empire, um, but that's a whole nother topic. Back to what I was talking about. A lot of the people who are being canceled are people who, not all, but the majority of them who are being canceled are people who you could tell by sort of observation and, and watching how they behave now that their views, their perspectives don't align with the individuals that they were when they might have said or done or tweeted something um, offensive and it's really sad to see um that a lot of people are having their careers you know more or less destroyed by this mob mentality and i know this and i say this and i run the risk of personally being attacked as well because it almost sounds like i'm defending these people or whatever um and and that's fine i'm okay with that um but somebody has to kind of speak with some sort of sense 
some sort of common sense. The people who should be getting canceled are the people who are still saying racist shit in 2020, who are still saying derogatory things in 2020, who are still being misogynistic, being ethnocentric in 2020, right? Those people are still being ignorant. They're still ignorant. They're still bigoted. They're still closed-minded. But yet, because they persist in their ignorance, it's almost like they seem to be above, you know, recommendation for their behavior. The biggest one, obviously, is Donald Trump. Like, he doubles down. And this is not going to be a political podcast. I'm just using that as a very obvious example. Um, But he... You can obviously pull up tweets where he has said the most ignorant, most vile and vicious things in the past. And he still says vicious, vile, ignorant things now. And he's not getting, quote, canceled. I mean, the guy is still holding, you know, the highest power on this land, arguably, arguably the highest power of this land. And so it's almost like there's a part of us. There's a lot of us that want some sort of consequence. We want to see some sort of consequence, you know, exacted upon people who are, you know, closed-minded and bigoted. And by those people, I mean, like, the extreme far-right conservatives and who say horrible, horrible things, who believe horrible things, who tweet horrible things now. But because we we aren't really getting that we're not seeing any sense of consequence for these sort of individuals and what they do now it's almost like well somebody has to get punished and so we go and look in the past of people who are in the present have become better people and we go back to the past and pull up you know things that they had done in the past that were, quote, bad, and exact some sort of punishment on them. But it's misdirected, like, and it hurts your cause in the sense of if you want people who are, quote, bad now to suffer, why would you go back and punish people who are trying to be good now for things that they have done in their past, And it's not ever, or it's hardly ever, like if you're doing this because you consider yourself, you know, a liberal or whatever, and you want to cancel people, you're not canceling conservatives because they're running on platforms that are based on these sort of conservative, it's called conservative for a reason. So they want to conserve these old ideologies of white supremacy and, you know, male-dominated, you know, society, um, misogyny, uh, patriarchy, they they embrace that. That's their brand. So you're not punishing them. You're punishing more or less yourselves if you consider yourself a liberal. And then you're finding, you know, other people who are aligned with the same views as you and you're going through their past to punish them for things that they did in their past. You're hurting them. You're not hurting conservatives because they're supported by people who think like them. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting people who think like you, who more or less, and I'm not saying 
obviously I'm painting in broad strokes, but you're hurting people who think like you. And so this cancel culture, <laughs> ironically enough, hurts more liberal-minded people than it does conservatives. And the reason why it does that is because I think that liberals are running, liberals and moderates and independents are running on this sort of premise that humanity or human beings in order to be considered, quote, liberal, have to be perfect, have to be good, have to be the, the good guys, the heroes. And so what we're doing is we're digging into the past and we're finding any sort of evidence of um, imperfection and we're throwing it to the limelight and saying like you call yourself a liberal and look what you said like 10 years ago, five years ago. And how does that help? You know, how, how does that really help? Especially now. Especially now. If you're angry, you know, at closed-minded, bigoted people who are presently still closed-minded and bigoted, then go after the ones who are presently still closed-minded and bigoted. Now, I'm not, you know, there are some left-leaning people. There are some, you know, I think Jeffree Star is one that's trending right now that people have said in the past, this guy is problematic. And the other one, Shane Dawson or whatever, um, people have said in the past that he's prob- these people are problematic. And they still are problematic. They're still saying and doing things now that are problematic. Okay, that's fine, right? Because, yeah, weed those people out or whatever. Because their present actions reflect who they were in the past. They, that's not growth. That's not change. They are persistent. And, yeah, you know. Don't support people who, even after all the shit that we've seen this year, in the last four years, not even just this year, people talk about 2020, like, you know, it's this like great sort of terrible thing. But if you pay attention, <laughs> and I'm, I'm guilty of this, I, I, I'm guilty of now becoming, you know, hyper-focused. And I think we all have been hyper-focused on like, okay, like shit's really crazy in this country. Um, but shit's been crazy for a while now and it's just been ramped up in the last four years because we have a quote unquote leader and i use that term very um loosely who thrives on the chaos he thrives on the drama that's literally his job that's his he is playing that shit to the t like that's what he's here for is to to do exactly so seats of discord and distract from, you know, what we should be focusing on. I, I saw a quote that was very, very succinct, which was, and it speaks exactly to the problem that we're having right now. We think the battle, we think the battle is between black and white. It's not. The true battle is being between the rich and the poor. I'll say that again. We think the battle is between black and white. It's not. The true battle is between the rich and the poor. You have more in common with your black or white counterpart who, (sighs) once the true effect of this lockdown, this quarantine hits the fan, (sighs) 
it, I mean, shit's going to get real and it's not going to get real for just black people and it's not going to get real for just white people. There are, and it's not going to get real for just, you know, lower class Americans. It's going to get real for middle class Americans. It's going to get real for upper middle class Americans because it's upper middle class Americans that can, for example, afford to run, you know, businesses and, um, and become entrepreneurs and, you know, dentists, doctors, you know, lawyers, uh, a lot of these people, no matter what color your skin are getting affected, businesses are getting shut down. And you're, you're, we, not you, I don't want to point the fingers, but we are allowing ourselves to get lured into this false paradigm that it's black people versus white people or white people versus black people. But we're low-key ignoring all of these news stories that are basically have been reporting that biggest people to profit from the quarantine and the lockdown while people are losing their jobs, businesses are shuttered, people can't afford to pay their rent, and people are facing evictions. The people who are benefiting from all this the most are the 1%, the billionaires, the multi-millionaires. Yeah. Because when we're going to see people, I I don't want this to happen, but let's just say if we start seeing people losing their homes, right, it's the investors that are going to come up and come in because they're sitting on cash. They've been sitting on cash and they're going to come in and buy people's home on the cheap. They can afford to wait for us to get through this and then turn around and sell that shit at a huge profit. I'll say that again. The people who are benefiting from all of this um, chaos while we're fighting a basic and false, quote, war or a war based on a false premise that I am your neighbor because I have built-in sun protection. I have built-in UV protection. So I'm your enemy rather than not neighbor. I am your enemy because... I have built-in sun protection and you don't because I'm black and you don't. So somehow this one thing, which is just a simple premise of I just have melanin, which is built-in sun protection and you don't. Somehow that makes you better than me. I don't don't understand how that works, but (laughs) somehow that makes you better than me. And that also somehow makes you my enemy or me your enemy. While we're all fighting this battle, and that's literally the billionaire in chief it's he's representing his people i'll say that again he's representing his people they want us fighting each other so we don't look up and turn and say wait a minute this income you know discrepancy where where rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer it's you guys's fault You guys are hoarding billions of dollars, billions of dollars, more money. I've said this before. I'll keep saying it till this shit sinks in. These people are sitting on billions of dollars in cash while paying to dodge paying taxes or paying, you know, accountants and lawyers to figure out how they can get around the rules to avoid paying taxes on those billions of dollars that they're sitting on. While the rest of us are going to face that tax increase that's coming up, the inevitable tax increase that's going to come up. 
regardless, because when the government is printing money, right, in order to help kind of get us through this recession, um, hopefully it does not devolve into a depression while they're printing money. Uh, of course, it's leading to it's going to cause inflation and then we're going to see interest rates rise in order to deal with the inflation. But in order to also pay off the debt that we're incruing, um, we're going to see taxes increased. And the people who are going to have to pay the most in taxes aren't the people who are paying lawyers and accountants to avoid paying taxes, to park their money in offshore bank accounts and things like that. It's not them. It's going to be the average American person who gets that shit just taken out of their paycheck. They don't have a choice. It's taken from your paycheck. Y'all know. So his job, y'all need to let this sink in. His job is to distract from that. Think about the French Revolution and, and, and think about how it was the have-nots that came together and looked up and realized that the bourgeoisie, the aristocrats, aristocrats, not aristocrats, this is not a Disney um, movie. Um, it was the aristocrats that were thriving while the rest of the country, the majority of the people were suffering. Okay, now imagine the French um, bourgeois having the sort of media that we have now, they would have convinced the French revolutionaries that it wasn't the aristocrats that were the problem. It was their fellow man. And then they would have been safe. Nobody would have gotten their heads chopped off. And then they would have just been fighting each other, right? The citizens who are starving on the streets would be convinced that it's not the motherfuckers who are eating cakes and dripping in gold and lace and, you know, living in castles. It's not the fact that they're hoarding all of that, all those resources. It's not their fault that the rest of the common people are suffering and can't even afford bread to feed their children while the aristocrats are eating like kings, <laughs> eating like gods, uh, Our media, and if we had a leader, like say Louis the Fourteenth was a leader like Trump, yeah, he would have done a great job of convincing the populace, the commoners, the people that it was their neighbor, right? It was the darker-skinned French. It was the Muslims, right? that were responsible for the fact that they couldn't feed their children, which would have kept him safe, which would have kept his family safe and would have kept him, um, his head firmly on his shoulders and allowed him to continue to reign in his gilded palace. That's what we're seeing now. That's what we're seeing now. So, there's this is multi-layered okay so you have liberals who are digging through the social media pages of other liberals and finding the one offensive or two offensive things or whatever that they said in the past and then 
canceling that, canceling them as though that's some sort of sense of justice, right? You punish somebody for something they did a decade ago. That's justice, right? Meanwhile, we're getting fucked <laughs> by the Bezoses and the the Gates and all these other people, the, the people who we don't even know their names, right? Um, the billionaires, the Warren Buffets, right? Who have the power, right? Who have the power to change the world. Think what, billions of dollars, billions of dollars. I just saw something and said, Bezos is worth, what is $174 billion. They just throw that word around like, <laughs> like it's nothing. But if you sit and think about what a just $1 billion is, billion dollars is rather, and then extrapolate that times 170. That's an insane amount of money. And then imagine if those people weren't, I'm not even saying donating, like, okay, like they're saying, oh, well, we're giving our, our employees raises. Yeah, you almost have to because they're working in, you know, hazardous times. So yeah, you have to, by law, do the bare minimum and give them a $1, $2 raise. Okay, good job. But you're sitting on, t- on money where you should be paying taxes on and shouldn't be paying lawyers to avoid having to pay taxes so that you can do your part to give back to the society that supported you and put you where you are now, right? So if I were a billionaire, if I came up with a company that, let's say this podcast, where somehow I reach so many people that I'm now pulling in billions of dollars, think about this logically. It was the collective efforts of people putting their support and faith in me that allowed me to amass billions of dollars in wealth. And the the least I can do is like say, okay, one, I have more money than I can fucking spend. Okay. Tax me. I'm not saying I, I, I like the idea of taxes. I don't. We're all that right now. That's the law. And if I'm sitting on billions of dollars on money that you can tax, then fine. Tax me like the rest of the citizens that also have to to be taxed. Take my wealth and and distribute it. Now, what I will also do in addition to that is use my the money that I would have spent um, to pay lawyers to avoid having to pay taxes and to pay accountants to avoid having to pay taxes. I would put it towards lobbying to make sure that when the politicians get a hold of my tax dollars, they don't waste it on bullshit. Because that's how you change, you change things. So I'm not just going to be giving my money away in taxes. I'm going to make sure that it, okay, fine. If I got to pay taxes, I got to pay taxes, right? That's the law, right? Give to Caesar, you know, what's due to Caesar, okay? That's fine. But I'm going to make sure that you're not wasting my motherfucking money. You're going to put that money towards, you know, better, a better education system, a better health care system, you know, fixing our infrastructure, right? These sort of things, making this country better for the people who put their trust in me. Jack Ma said this. He, Jack Ma is the founder of Alibaba, is a Chinese um, citizen. And he uh, came up with the platform of Alibaba. What he said was, when you become a billionaire, it's because the people 
unconsciously or not, put their trust in you. And they said, we believe that you can change things. And so you have a responsibility once you become a billionaire. That's basically a monetary um, endorsement by your fellow human beings to improve things. And so he made it, he has made it his goal, his drive to improve the, the lives of women entrepreneurs and, and, and people that came from the class that he came from. And to me, that's, that's a commendable human being. He's not just like, I'm a billionaire, you know, like worship me. He's like, yes, I amassed this wealth because the people put their faith in me. And now it's my responsibility to give back. And if you think about, you know, you have Bill Gates and he wants to give people vaccines, but clearly he benefits from vaccinating people. Financially, he benefits from vaccinating people. Um, and a lot of the speeches that he has said, he has given, you can find this on, online on YouTube. He has also said that you know, his vaccines are meant to reduce the population. I am not an anti-vaxxer. Okay, so I, you know, I did my MMR, I've done my, you know, rubella, all these, you know, chicken pox or whatever, measles, you know, I'm vaccinated, um, as is my child, clearly, so, because she has to go to school. Um, my family is, and you have to get vaccines before you even come to this country, so there's no way around that in that sense. But when a person who's pushing these newer vaccines and he's while pushing these newer vaccines, he's also talking about um, population control. You know, even a person who's like half conscious would ask the question, what does one thing have to do with another? But when you think about the way he thinks and he's looking at the world and he's operating on the premise of things that I discussed in the previous episode. He's operating on the premise that human humanity is a disease, right? Humanity is a cancer that needs to be controlled. He's operating on the premise that there's too many of us. And he wants a quote better world for his children and his children's children children. In his world, a better world would be a world with less human beings. These are facts. You don't get to the point where you can literally have anything you want, where you don't start to think of yourself as special and better than the rest of the humanity and thus ordained to make these sort of changes, if you can, to make sure that you and your bloodline are good and what you consider undesirables are eradicated. You just read anything having to do with him. Um, and his wife and their foundation and what they do. And if you read between the lines, you understand how these people think. And so to go back to the billionaire president, he, his job, and, he, and he's allowed to do it. And he rages against the, the media, um, but it's just a, it's a psyop. The media, they keep reporting this shit. And you go on any, any news agency and you see what they do. They're not saying... This is not a race issue. This is a class issue. And I'll tell you what, it's always been a class issue. Every single war, every single battle, every single 
blemish in the history of mankind where it's man versus man or man versus woman or it's always been a battle between the haves and the have-nots everything else is just semantics but when you break down conflict it's always been between the haves and the have-nots but they don't want you to focus on that so he blames the media and he blames the immigrants and he blames you know the muslims and he blames the mexicans and he blames you know, people of color and he blames women. He just, he's pointing the finger in the opposite direction of what the actual truth is. And he's getting everybody, even liberals, to fall into that trap and think that this is a black versus white thing. The racism issue that we have in this country is just a symptom of a bigger problem. It's just a symptom of a bigger problem. And you really have to sit and delve into what we have as a structure, as a society, what we've built as a society to understand what I'm talking about. And what a lot of white conservatives who continue to support Trump because they believe the rhetoric that he's shoving down their throat, that they are being somehow protected, right? When he says, I'm going to protect monuments, <laughs> instead of talking about, I need to protect your 401k, I need to protect your, you know, I need to make these corporations pay their taxes. I need to protect your social security, Right? It's very small, small-minded, super close-up, micro issues that he forces people to kind of focus on while he's getting rich, right? So he donated his salary, <laughs> right? And everybody goes, oh, he's so rich and he, you know, uh, he donated his salary. But then he goes to golf at his own resorts and then taxpayers are paying for that. You don't pay taxes so a billionaire can golf for free and make money off of golfing. That's not why they're taking damn near 30% of your paycheck. Hello? Stop digging people's tweets out from 10, 5 years ago to say, look, Here's evidence that deep in your heart, you're a shitty human being. Because I'll tell you what, none of us are perfect. When you point that finger, all other fingers point right back at you. I can go back and look through, not my tweets, just my thoughts, just things that I said. This is pre-social media, things that I said to friends at different times that were born out of programming that I didn't know I was operating on. And I've talked about this on, the, on previous episodes too. If, you, if we had social media, maybe I would have tweeted or Facebooked, whatever the fuck, about how I thought if it was, you know, right when all of this kind of came out. I just, I've never been a social media kind of person. Um, and so I just never got on the craze of taking everything that I'm thinking and putting it online, at least in written, written form. But maybe if we had podcasts, 
10 years ago, I would have said some things that now sound problematic. Not just me, you. We're not perfect here. And by perfect, I don't mean that, by saying we're not perfect, I don't mean that we're somehow flawed. So I say that again. By saying we're not perfect, I don't mean that we're somehow flawed. I simply mean that the the barometer for what perfection is, is not something attainable for a human being because human beings are supposed to be human. So we're supposed to make mistakes so long as we learn from it. You're supposed to grow. You're supposed to change once you get new information. That's humanity. That's part of what makes you a good human being. It's not being perfect. It's not automatically knowing what not to say and what to say, particularly when you live in a society that programs you to think certain ways, to behave in certain ways, to believe certain things, to see the world in a particular way. If that's been programmed into your brain from childhood, and before you even had a chance to know left from right, you're being programmed to think and believe these things. It's going to come out of your mouth. You're going to say ignorant things. You're going to think ignorant things. Should you be punished for that? Especially once you know better. I always say this. This is like my favorite quote. When people try to bring things up that I said to the in the past to try to shame me for it. And when I say people are like, wait, what? And then I have to explain it. But it's my favorite quote. I always say the same thing. Well, I used to shit myself. When I was a child, I don't shit myself now. So why are you bringing, bringing things up for, that I did in the past as though it's relevant to who I am now? I fucking learned to use the fucking toilet a long time ago. You talking about what I did in the past is the equivalent of you talking about me shitting myself as a baby. I'm not a baby anymore. I'm a grown ass woman. I can go and use the bathroom without shitting myself. I've learned some shit between now and when I was two years old. So you bring things up. Even if I said something ignorant last week, somebody said to me, you said on your podcast that when you went to London, you didn't experience racism, but people in London are, are, are um, protesting about racism. Okay. Does that mean that they're wrong? No. Does that mean that I'm wrong? No. That was my opinion. I personally didn't experience anything that I determined would have been racist, in my opinion. But one, common sense, I am an American in England, so my accent probably had something to do with it. Two, I used to be a model, and I'm six feet tall, so six one, actually, just with bare feet. So imagine I'm out in England right? And I'm, we're staying in London, which is obviously a metropolitan city. Um, and we're staying in a really nice hotel, right? So people are probably assumed that I was some sort of celebrity because of my height, because of, you know, the way I carried myself, because of where we stayed. We stayed in a five-star hotel. And those people aren't going to be rude to me or quote racist to me if they're thinking I'm some sort of quote influencer 
like common sense. And at the time when I said what I said, I, in the back of my mind, knew that obviously I don't live in London, so I can't speak for people who are British, who people of color who live and grew up in that country. I thought it kind of just went without saying, though, that as a tourist in another country who's there for a short amount of time, uh, you're probably, your experience is going to be different than a person who lived there and grew up there. I thought that kind of was common sense. But I guess in this day and age, you have to preface everything that you say um, because you don't know what you can say that's going to set people off the wrong way. I'm not going to do that, by the way. Like, it's already hard enough as it is to communicate with people succinctly and, and say what you need to say without having to delve into their heads and not offend them. If you're going to choose to be offended by the things that I say and you can't on your own stop and go, hmm, well, she's saying she didn't really experience racism. This doesn't mean that there's no racism in England. It just means that she was a tourist, you know, in another country and she stayed in a hotel. She was in a resort. She went to the touristy parts where they're used to dealing with tourists. So clearly her experience does not reflect on everybody's experience in that situation in that country um if you can't do that on your own (laughs) um you need to work on that i i don't want to be um divisive but you need to work on that not just with things that i say but with things anybody says to you if you can't infer facts on the individual that's saying things um then you're going to set yourself up. You're setting yourself up to be just a very upset um, individual, particularly this year specifically, uh, but just in, across the board your whole entire life. Going back to this whole cancel culture and what, what, what we're experiencing here. The media, Trump left-wing, right-wing politicians, even celebrities, their job, even celebrities, their job is to distract you. If they can get you focused on the fact that, on something very simple, a simple premise as it's black versus white, if they can get you thinking that, then revolution Because what they rather would have is a, quote, civil war where we're fighting each other. Because they're tucked away. They're they're safe. They have bodyguards. They live in gated communities. They have access to private jets. Right? If they can get us to have a civil war where it's people of color versus whites... then it distracts from the fact, or I should say, then it keeps a revolution from happening where it's the haves versus the have-nots, which is what they don't want to have. So the problem that they want you to believe it's what we're seeing shoved down our throats. You know, this white person is racist. Don't trust any person who's white. 
And on the opposite end, this black person hates you. They secretly hate you. Don't trust anybody who's black. They're sowing these seeds of discontent. Amongst the populace. And the rich keep getting richer. They're going to keep dodging taxes. They're going to throw you a bone and hashtag BLM. They're going to suggest you read these books. It's funny. I saw that on Audible. I love Audible, so it is what it is. And I think that the technology itself is great for self-improvement. But that doesn't mean that they don't do some shady things. Like right after the riots and the protests occurred, I go to go buy some books and they're like, you know, buy these books. Are you giving these books away for free? Like if you genuinely cared about people opening their minds and learning and becoming better than why you can afford to, your CEO is worth (laughs) billions of dollars. They can certainly afford to say, hey, if you're genuinely and deeply interested in reading about these topics, here are here are 10 books that we do recommend, but we will allow you to choose one book that you can read for free. And yes, some people are thinking, well, they allow you when you do join um, Audible to get your first book for free. Yeah, but what about people who already are on Audible? Why not offer the book, the books that they're recommending and say, listen to these books. We will pay for it. They can certainly afford to, but instead they choose to profit off the pain of people of color. And of European Americans, because they're in pain too. I think it's hard. It's hard when... It's hard when you are programmed to see things in one way and then you realize that everything you've been taught was actually set up to make you a perpetrator in uh, of oppression and systemic violence. I think that that's difficult for European Americans to sort of take in and I think that you see a lot of guilt and confusion and, and lack of understanding and, you know, Nobody wants to be the bad guy. And, and I hear there's some people who are thinking, oh, look at her. She's defending white people. I'm, def- I'm defending human beings. So once again, this cancel culture and this judgmental bullshit, I'm above that. I'm going to say it again. I'm above that. I'm not going to allow that to affect the things that I say. I will always speak with compassion across the board to all people. So if this is the first time you're listening to my podcast and you're like, whoa, wait, this is not what I was expecting. Um, well, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I'm not going to rage with violence because or rage with anger, rather, because the media, the news media has told me to. I'm not going to be reactive because I'm being told to be angry, to be emotional. 
I've always consistently, and my regular listeners know that, I know this, I've always consistently spoken about non-reactivity, about controlling the self. I've always consistently spoken about the fact that the skin that you wear is just the skin that you wear, that you're a body. You're not a body, rather. You're a soul. You're a conscious soul that's ever existed and will always exist. And you're temporarily wearing or inhabiting or driving the vehicle and that vehicle is what you see in the in the mirror. So for me, I'm not going to choose to identify so strongly with a vehicle that I forget who I really am. I forget the fact that this is just one incarnation. This is not my only incarnation. I have lived many lives before. And I've lived this life, <laughs> I've lived this life many times as well. I'm not going to forget that. I'm not going to forget that. And I'm not going to allow you guys to forget that either. So when I speak to different ethnic groups, it's not to condone behavior or console anybody. It's to just say, look. Ultimately, let's focus on the big picture here, not the micro. Let's focus on the macro. We're all one, so let's start with that. We're all the same entity. Whatever you do to each other, you're going to do to yourself. I've spoken a lot about the nature of this reality, about reincarnation, about the cycle, about how, for example, if you are a black person now and you are oppressed... When you die, you will be reincarnated. If you do become reincarnated, you will come back as a person who will not feel oppression. I don't know in the future what ethnic group that will be. You might end up coming back as a black person. Because in the future, black people might be the ones who finally... Not finally, because that's not true. Might be the ones who hold the power again. Because before the 1600s, when propaganda and the media want you to believe that black history started, which is bullshit, for 2,000 years, I, I've spoken about this, we, we've had the issue, actually longer than 2,000 years, it was closer to probably, let's just say for 2,000 years. But I talked about that in the white slavery episode. The word Slav comes from, the word slavery comes from Slav because it was the Slavs, the Euro, um, Euro Russians and the Anglos and the Saxons as well, um, and the, the Franks, um, they were the slaves, Ukrainians, Lithuanians, Polish, um, all of those people in that region were enslaved by Africans, by dark-skinned black people, and they were enslaved, the Slavs, and the Anglos, and the Saxons, and the Franks, and the Gauls, were enslaved, these are all Europeans, were enslaved for much longer than African Americans were in this country and around the world, for much longer. Black history didn't start in the 1500s. 
black people have had the oldest, strongest records of civilization across human history. Ancient Egypt, Nubia, the Benin Kingdom, Biafra, even in parts of Europe, which off the top of my head, I mean, I can see, there's like the, I forget what they're called, but they're black Italians and then the um, uh, Afro-Phoenicians and things of that nature. So um, history for African-Americans did not begin, or history for African people did not begin with the enslavement of them. This is just a cyclical thing where those who were slavers became the um, enslaved and you're seeing you're you're you see that and we don't control it we barely control what's happening now so you don't we don't control who comes back as what which I've raged about on previous episodes um, as well where I talk about like this is bullshit you know they keep they keep tricking you to come back here and I've talked about how you had the Japanese soldiers who killed the Burmese and then they the children of those who had been killed remembered their past lives as Japanese soldiers and so I've spoken about how everything is cyclical and how we really don't have a control over for the most part over history and how or what we come back as I've said all of that so if you strongly identify with whatever skin that you're wearing right now that's fine you know, you're just highly immersed in the nature of this, of the simulation of this game. Um, but there's a bigger game at play that you need to sort of understand. And so the people who are victims now will come back, right, as hopefully not as victimizers, but as people who hold power. But the people who cause suffering now will come back as people who will suffer. And they will suffer the consequences of the things that they put into play now at the present time. Because of the law of karma, which none of us control. That is a law, like a law of gravity and the law of attraction that exists in this reality. It's not something that we control. We didn't make the law. If you can't even remember your past lives, then you're not controlling this game. And so everybody needs to be mindful of the way they treat each other. Even if it's born out of a sense of self-preservation, because the way you treat people... If you're a man and you mistreat a woman, you're coming back as a woman. You don't have to believe me, (laughs) okay? But there are people who have written books in modern times who have proven that reincarnation is real. And I've spoken about it in previous episodes. I don't want to repeat myself for people who are, you know, regular listeners. But the content is out there. I implore you to check out my other episodes and listen. And it's not just modern 
scientists and psychologists and neurologists and philosophers who have all kind of more or less come to the same conclusion that people die and come back. And that reincarnation is another law of this reality. But we have the Hindus who have written about this thousands of years ago. It's the same truths that European scientists are now, quote, discovering. No, they're proving. They're not discovering it. They're not discovering these truths. They're proving it to themselves, something that the Hindus knew thousands of years ago. You come back. And the law of karma is real. And not just in a short end, not in the sense of, okay, I dug up something in somebody's social media post and now I'm, you know, demonizing them for it. Okay, wait a moment. Someone's going to dig up some shit about you and demonize you for it. That's karma. It's not just that, but it's collectively what we do to each other. We will have to, unless you can figure out a way to break the cycle, to break out of the cycle, which I've talked about in previous episodes, check out previous episodes, unless you can figure out a way to break the cycle. If you, of whatever race, if you are a white American and you see, now it's at this point, you can't pretend you don't see what's going on. I mean, it's been shoved down our throats, <laughs> right? At this point, if you're still like, I doubt you'd be listening to this if you're still like insisting that, you know, social injustice is not real and racism isn't real. Um, but if you, for some reason, look at all this and still fail to see it um, for what it is, uh, this world will make you see it. And maybe not in this incarnation, maybe not in this life, but you will come back. You will come back as the people that you punished. I, I, I'm trying to find the word dominated, made to feel less than. And even if you didn't actively do anything, if you were a participant and you turned the other way. You didn't do anything to stop what you're seeing. The people who create the construct and who manage the construct, they don't care. Right? Because the cycle benefits them. It doesn't benefit us. The cycle of reincarnation benefits them. How can it benefit us when you, we don't remember our, most of us do not remember our past lives. And I've talked about this in previous episodes, not to sound like a broken record. I just don't want to delve into something I've already discussed, especially for my regular listeners. Um, so check out previous episodes. But yeah, it doesn't benefit us. It benefits them. The cycle will perpetuate. And it's going to be based on the things that you do now. Or you don't do now. But all of that is to say a few things. One, stop judging people for things that they did in the past if they're not doing it now. And if they express genuine 
genuine regret for the things that they had said. And you can tell that, look, I've learned, I've improved. Leave them be. Let them live. Let them make a living. Forgive them because you're not perfect. We really have to start stop fighting each other because it's not us. That's the problem, right? It's not the majority that's the problem. It's a, it's a small minority of people, the true minorities. Not blacks, not Mexicans, not Asians, not even European Americans. The true minorities are those who have and would rather have us fighting each other than turning and looking to them. And ultimately, even if you want to pull this out and go even further back and say, okay, that's just within the simulation. While we're fighting each other, we are still stuck in a system, in a world Right? We, we, let's not forget that, that we're still existing in a world where we don't have control and exactly all the things that I said. You don't choose to forget your past incarnations, but you're made to. And you don't choose how you're going to get sent back here, but you will get sent back here. And somebody has convinced you to believe that there, this is real world when it's a simulation. And somebody has convinced you to, to ignore all of the writings Right, the, uh, not you specifically, but the majority of people have been programmed to ignore, ignore all of the writings that say that this world isn't what we think it is. This world isn't a simulation. This is real life, and that you have just one incarnation, and then you die, and that's it. So whatever you do doesn't matter. I want to read you guys a quote. It's an excerpt from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. This was published um, October twelfth, nineteen seventy nine. It says, the president in particular is very much a figurehead. He wields no real power whatsoever. He apparently, he is apparently chosen by the government. But the qualities he is required to display are not those of leadership, but those of finely judged outrage. For this reason, the president is always a controversial choice always an infuriating but fascinating character. His job is not to wield power, but to draw attention away from it. On those criteria, Zaffold Beeblebrox is one of the most successful presidents the galaxy has ever had. Side note, you can inject Donald Trump's name into that. He has already spent two of his 10 presidential years in prison for fraud. Interesting, eh? Very, very few people realize that the president and the government have virtually no power at all. And of these few people, only six know where ultimate political power is wielded. Most of the others secretly believe, I'm sorry, most of the others secretly believe that the ultimate decision-making process is handled by a computer. They couldn't be more wrong. Now, to me, that that excerpt right there is uh, very brow-raising, considering everything we know about the nature of reality and everything that's happening now. If that doesn't make you pause and, and re-evaluate everything that's going on, I don't know what will. Anyway, thanks for listening.